0: Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. We are reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. Here's the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents, here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a the voice from the cloud said, until after the son of man has been raised from the dead this is the word of the lord thanks praise and glory be to god amen thank you okay.
1: well my husband's last name is yamamoto and sometimes i have my name Jinung yamamoto i realize a lot of you don't know my last name you know me as pastor claudia but Yamamoto is the name I also use. That's my husband over there. Toshi, wave your hand so they can see. Not everybody knows who he is, especially with a mask on. But anyway, that is our surname. And is a very, very common name in Japan. I'm sure you've heard it a lot. And it means at the foot of the mountain. So the name apparently originated because these were people living at the foot of the mountain in what was known as the Yamamoto area, and so they took the surname Yamamoto. So this ties in with our sermon where we'll be talking about mountains today. And so I would like to continue in my sermon talking a little bit more about mountains and showing you some pictures of mountains, and maybe you can guess where some of them are located. The one on the far left, anybody know? That's Hawaii. That's where Mika will be going in a couple months, right? To college. In the middle, everybody knows that, right? Um, Fuji. How about the one on the far right? It's Nepal, Himalayas. Okay, let's go to the next slide. These photos are taken by Reverend Tim Boyle and we know he was a very, well, he is a very good photographer. He's in the States now. And so that's um, Kurohime Mountain in Nojiriko, which is in Nagano. And the other is also in Nagano as well, just a different um, photo taken either early morning or in the evening, I'm not sure which. All right, the next photo, please. And everybody, you should know this, where is this? This is Mount Roko, Kobe, yay, where we're from, yay. And Kobe has lots and lots of mountains. And I live close to the mountains. I live in Sumiyoshi Dai. And do people like the mountains? Do you like climbing? Yes? Yeah, I do too. And when I look at the mountains, I think of that well-known verse in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. And where does my faith come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I find it really interesting that so many important moments in the Bible happened up on the mountains. Mountains have a great significance for Jewish and Christian cultures and were considered to be places that were closer to God. And I googled mountains in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and I learned that mountains are mentioned more than 500 times in the Bible, and one third of the mountains listed in scripture have had at least one major event occur on them. Here are a few in examples, and I'm going to speed through this rather quickly. There's Mount Erat, and that's where Noah's Ark rested after the flood. And there's Mount Moriah, where Abraham was called to offer his son Isaac. There was Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Mount Horeb, where Moses sees a burning bush. Mount Nabal, where Moses saw the Promised Land. Mount Gerizim, where God was to pronounce blessings in the, to the Jewish people. It's a sacred mountain. Mount Carmel, where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. Mount Zion, where God said, is a place where God said to dwell in the Old Testament. And it's also used in the New Testament, Mount Zion, when they're talking about the spiritual kingdom. Mount of Olives, and that's where Jesus went to pray before his crucifixion. Mount Calvary, which is also called Golgotha, and where Jesus offered his life for us. Mount Tabor, and that's also called the Mount of Transfiguration, which was most likely the mountain we read about in today's scripture. Although some scholars I discovered in my preparation for today's sermon say that the transfiguration actually happened on Mount Hermon. I remember growing up and going to a Christian camp called Mount Hermon, so I immediately knew that name. And that's the highest mountain in the region. The mountain is not specifically named in today's scripture. So you can do your own research and decide which mountain where this event, the transfiguration, actually happened. But it doesn't really matter to my faith, but it's interesting to learn the history of all these different mountains and why they were so significant in the Bible. Some of you might be familiar with the Amy Grant song, El Shaddai. And we have the refrain in our hymn books, which are in our pews here. Number one, two, three, if you want to look it up. But El comes from the word Elohim, which refers to God and refers to Yahweh. The root for Shaddai is Shadu, which means mountain. So El Shaddai, God of the mountain. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, and we learned Jesus went up the mountain to talk to God. And you heard that in today's skit with the youth and also in our scripture reading. And there on the mountain, Jesus is transfigured and becomes radiant. The Gospels, all of the three Gospels describe the transfiguration, and it's also mentioned in the second epistle of Peter, And it's defining the moment in the life of Jesus that would come to determine the course of his mission in the world. And from that point on, Jesus and his disciples, they're heading towards Jerusalem to the coming death and resurrection of Jesus. Transfiguration is celebrated immediately before Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is February 22nd. This year, and we will hold two Ash Wednesday services here at Kobe Union Church. One will be at 11 here in the lounge, and um, excuse me, here in the sanctuary, with mostly the women who come to the lounge for women on Wednesday. Wow! And in the evening, online. We will send more information about that in our church newsletter. And so, the Transfiguration Sunday, as I'm trying to say, is before. Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and then we go on a 40-day journey, plus the Sundays, with Jesus to the cross, and we prepare for the celebration of Easter. So transfiguration, you know, it's not a word we always hear, transfiguration. So what do you think of it? I think it was an amazing miracle, And the miracle is unique, among other miracles, because it appears that this miracle happened to Jesus himself. But to really understand the transfiguration, we have to go back six days in Matthew from the transfiguration in the life of Jesus and the disciples. So before going up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, Jesus asked the disciples about his identity. He said, Well, who do you say that I am? And they answered, Well, Jesus, um, some call you John the Baptist and others call you Elijah or one of the prophets. Okay, Jesus says to them, Okay, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus then taught the disciples about his impending death and predicted his resurrection. Jesus said these words, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. These were very important words at that moment. So in looking at this scripture, you think, well, why did Jesus go up to the top of the mountain in the first place? And perhaps because Jesus needed a retreat, he may have been exhausted, in need of just a little rest. If we read earlier in chapter nine, we see how he'd been really quite busy. He'd been traveling all over Galilee. He'd been healing and people and casting out demons, and he'd been preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. He'd also raised a young girl from the dead. He'd fed over 5,000 people. He'd even calmed a storm in the middle of a lake. He may have just chosen to get away from the crowds and find a quiet place where he could just rest. He could just rest and pray to God without any interruptions. But Jesus didn't go alone. He takes up the mountain with him, Peter, James, and John. The disciples wait below for Jesus and they see he's transfigured before their very eyes. His clothes become dazzling white and Jesus is radiant. Again, I think of that song, Shine, Jesus, Shine. And so we just visualize this shiny moment up in the clouds. And they see, they see something very interesting. On either side, of Jesus, they see Elijah and Moses standing there with them, and you can see these different pictures of the Transfiguration that I found. I had so many pictures to choose from from for the sermon this morning. And after they see this wonderful uh, scene of in the clouds and Jesus' face, radiant face, and dazzling white clothes. Peter says, Rabbi, it's good to be here. Let us make three tents for you. Some translations say, let us make three altars for you. Let's make one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And no sooner are the words out of his mouth, Scripture tells us. Suddenly, a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a great voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but Jesus alone. Okay? I like this picture drawn by a child. Theologian Frederick Beaker says, These words. It is as strange a scene as there is in the Gospels. Even without the voice from the cloud to explain it, they had no doubt what they were witnessing. It was Jesus of Nazareth. But it was also the Messiah, the Christ, in his glory. It was the holiness of the man shining through his humanness. His face so afire with it they were almost blinded. The disciples had this amazing experience, so amazing and wonderful that they wanted to stay up there on the mountain. And it probably would have been nice to stay there up on the mountaintop. But once you've reached the top of the mountain, you can't stay there, and you eventually have to come down the mountain. And as you descend down from the mountain to the valley below, you may notice along the way things you didn't notice as you were rushing up. And this may include the landscape, the flowers, the small little creatures that are living on the mountain. And you may notice that the path is difficult to walk and some parts might be dirty or rocky or slippery. Those of you who go hiking know that if you Not careful, you can slip down the mountain. But you continue on down the path. God is with you. Trust in him as you go down the path. Listen to him. And once we reach the bottom of the mountain, it might not be as beautiful. We're not up in the pretty clouds anymore. The valley may represent our everyday life, and our everyday hardships. But mountains don't exist without the valleys between them. Even Jesus knew that a return to the valley was imminent. And in verse seven, he told the disciples to get up. He knew that they couldn't stay on the mountain, but that he and the disciples were to return to the work in the valley and do what God had chosen them to do. The transfiguration was a special experience of grace that strengthens the Apostle faith for the challenge, the challenges that they would later endure. And the disciples were told to listen to Jesus. But do we need to go up to the mountain to find God and listen to God? And perhaps there are times when we do need to be somewhere with no distractions so that we can hear God's voice. And that is something you can think about whether it's true for you or not and it might be true in different times of your life. However, God is indeed with us everywhere on the mountaintop, in the valley below but we may have times in our lives we simply need somewhere we can focus and listen while we pray and it can be just a quiet place that you find. In one of my earlier sermons I talked about a prayer room And I showed you a clip from the Christian movie, which is called War Room, because the woman praying felt she was at war with the evil of the world and her prayers would help. And if you remember in the movie, she was using her closet as her prayer sanctuary. So you might need a quiet place to pray. It could be outside in the park. It could be inside your car. It could just be um, anywhere that you find, you can sit and pray without distractions. But you can pray anywhere and everywhere. You can pray even on the train. You can pray in the dentist's office when you're lying in the chair. You can do your breath prayer and no one knows you're even praying. And with each breath, you know that God is present. You can also find a place to do what's known as the soaking prayer. And you just rest in the Lord and you dedicate yourself to God. You soak in the presence of the Lord. And that's where you let the Holy Spirit soak through you and you experience an intimacy with God. At that particular time, Jesus needed the mountaintop of his life. And we may need different things at different times in our lives. Sometimes we'll be alone. Sometimes we'll be with a group of people the mountain or in the valley. We may be alone with others, but God is with us. And God's love is pouring, pouring over us. When and where have you had mountaintop experiences? I'd be interested later in hearing your stories. And these mountaintop experiences often happen just in our daily walk with Jesus. It could be a wonderful worship experience, or it could be when you're on a retreat, I know when I go to a women's retreat, I often come back feeling refreshed and renewed. Some of you, it could just be your prayer time. It could be when you're in Sunday school. It could be singing or hearing a wonderful hymn or music, something that touches you. It could be attending some of our services here. Or we, as you know, every fifth Sunday, we have a Sunday praise worship. And I know a number of people look forward to that because they feel Through song, they're truly touched by the Spirit. It could also be when you come to church on the first Sunday when we have Holy Communion. Or it could even be something outside of church, meeting special friends for lunch, or meeting together with somebody that you care for for a time of prayer, or maybe helping others. Maybe when you're out handing food to the homeless, or like... Roy and Ophi with the other people in the Lamb of God, you were out not so long ago handing out Bibles. Or it might be a time when you listened to someone in need and you felt you could help them. I recall a time when a friend was healed of a tumor and this was through prayer. And for me, that was a mountaintop experience, not only for her but for those of us who witnessed this healing. When our prayers are answered, They can make us feel that we're on a a mountain, a mountaintop of hope and love. And how does it feel to have a mountaintop experience? Maybe it feels a little bit like heaven and we're given glimpses of grace and maybe the glimpses of heaven in our lives. We're blessed with these transfigured moments and mountaintop prayers. And so I know for me, praying is oftentimes a mountaintop experience. And for some of you, if you happen to cry while you're praying, the tears, might be tears, connecting you with the Holy Spirit, pouring out from you and cleansing you. Since prayer is so important, I wish to remind you that as pastors here at KUC, we'll always pray with you and pray for you. Just let us know what prayers you have. You can try to catch us after the service, or you can email us, you can call us, but we are willing to pray with you People on the council will also pray with you. And there are others here in the church who will pray with you. We have a prayer list at Coba Union Church in our newsletter. And if the prayer is not confidential, you're welcome to put your prayers on that list. We are a praying church, and we will pray for you. Like the disciples, we are called to pray and to listen to Jesus. We may have mountaintop experience, but we also have to be connected to the reality of life in the valley. These mountaintop experiences are not meant to isolate us from others, but to connect us to others. Jesus understood the connectedness to people. So when he descends from the mountain, he sees in the crowd, um, he sees, what he sees is the crowd, and Jesus turns to the crowd. He turns to them to help them. Now, when we hear the word crowd, we think of something like a group of many people, you know, crowd, lots of people. But crowd in the Bible oftentimes is a bit different. A biblical crowd back then was often made up of the poor, the afflicted, the sick. These are the people who came to hear Jesus, those who had pain in their lives, and those who were in need of healing. The crowds that gathered to hear Jesus or followed him were people who were suffering some kind of problem they were broken people or they were people in distress people who may not have been having mountaintop experiences at this time of their life and these were people that needed Jesus and they needed God's love they needed to be connected to him in the valley and we are called to work in the valleys where the rest of our brothers and sisters are the folk who need us and whom we need if they and we are to be whole and complete. In the valley and on the mountain, God's love is always present with us and we share that love with others. We can share God's love and experience transfigured moments all around us. Some of you know my friend, Carol Sack. She's a Lutheran missionary in Tokyo and she's been here before playing her harp and she works at Sanya in Tokyo um, in a hospice for the homeless. And she also does visitation in the hospitals and plays her harp, which has been very healing for many. And for her, each time she plays and feels the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's a mountaintop experience, no matter where she is. So doing, services for, doing some sort of service for others and showing God's love this way is a mountaintop experience. But this is an experience done in the valley. And so God is in both places and he's transforming us. And I pray we can have a faith, a transforming and renewing faith that leads us, that leads all of us to minister to others. We ourselves can only be changed and transformed and also rejuvenated by these experiences. Bishop Tutu said these words, as you can see on the slide. God places us in a world as his fellow workers, agents of transfiguration. We work with God so that injustice is transfigured into justice, so that there will be more compassion and caring, and there will be more laughter and joy, and there will be more togetherness in God's world. How have you changed or been transfigured since you've become a Christian, if you are yet, if you are a Christian? Are there times you hear God's voice? Are there times you don't? In times of trouble and suffering, it might be a challenge for us to hear God until we come out of that suffering, even if we know that God is with us. But that is when we need others to help us and to pray for us. And we may feel we're lost in the valley, but the Lord is our shepherd who guides us and finds us, even when we're lost in the valley. God restores our soul, as we hear in Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd. Listening to Jesus and following Jesus is the message of the transfiguration and the message that I want you to take home today. As I said earlier, Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. And next Sunday, February 26th, we'll celebrate the first Sunday of Lent. And Lent is our time to listen to God, to hear God more clearly. And the six weeks of Lent is a journey as we grow closer to Christ, who is our light and our hope. We know the great and wonderful love that God has for us, and this great and wonderful love will transfigure us. So let's all go into this Lenten season, finding ways to grow closer to God. I pray we can listen to God's voice on our Lenten journey. We know that on the mountains and in deep valleys Jesus is the light of the world and it is Jesus' light that shines through us. Let us pray. Luminous God and giver of all good things, help us to continue to hear and to see and to do and be all that you would have us hear and see and do and be. Help us to see the light of Christ in others and to be the light of Christ to all whom we meet. May we walk in the light and truth, in the valleys, in the mountains, and wherever you would have us go. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.